This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This is iFanboy Media Explode, episode 25, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, season one. Hello, from that fanboy media explode episode 25. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I am here with Josh Flanagan. Hey there. And our enduringly special guest, Ron Richards. Enduringly special. That's 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 a good way of describing it. Hey man, I live for media. I don't know about you, know you, you, you too. We know that. But I live for media. This is our monthly media explode show where we talk about things outside of the comic book world. It was brought to you by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks for being a patron. You know, we enjoy other things. We enjoy media, as Ron says. Ron still has his VHS tapes somewhere. I gaze at them longingly. Of all the shows he used to watch in high school. <laughs> I just recently told the story the other day. Josh, I think you would appreciate this or relate to it. We used to, I know I did. I'm pretty sure you did too, Josh. But it used to tape The Simpsons religiously and keep them on cataloged VHS tapes for the day when I couldn't, quote unquote, afford cable. And that way I'd be able to still watch The Simpsons. I don't think I did that. I think no, I remember I did. you did like clear yeah. as day because you would lend me tapes. I'd be like, I missed it. You're like, I got gotcha. you. It was like some bizarre doomsday prepping for a day <laughs> when I didn't have like, like 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 that day never came. I've always been able to thank God you know, I've been able to afford cable and watch TV and like and all these various things. But for some reason in 1996, I was really concerned about not having it as an input into my life, and so I was going to hoard them all. <laughs> I, I mean, that's why I have all these 
DVDs. I was like, someday I'm yeah, going to have right, these yeah. movies in a library, which is pointless <laughs> now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so this is what media does to us. This is what it's turned us into, people, for you, every month. <laughs> so let's talk about what we've been enjoying in the last month since we last discussed this stuff. Ron, why don't you start? Well, yeah, I seem to be Paramount Plus's biggest fan these days. Mm. Go figure. Aside from the fact that my kids found Backyardigans and Wonder Pets on Paramount Plus this past month, not only did I finally finish Star Trek Discovery, but I finished Picard mm. uh, Season 2, which is like a double whammy of fun Star Trek time. Discovery, I thought, was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. A little long in the tooth season-wise. I feel like it could have trimmed a couple episodes, but I, I enjoyed the adventure it took us on. Picard season two, eh, not their finest hour, but still enjoyable. It's really interesting if you think about Picard season two in relation to the whole world. Like, Think about how many shows you know with a fairly large cast ends up breaking them off into groups of two and three yeah. because of COVID. I was just going to say, like, it was really bizarre because, so, like, Picard season two had a lot going for it in that it was going to give us Q, who, as a Star Trek Next Generation fan, give me any John Delancey, felt like he was severely underutilized. And then they turned it into an alternate timeline and then time travel story, which anytime Picard says, you know, there is a way to go back in time by slingshotting around the sun. Kirk's Enterprise did it once. Like, you've got me there. And then they came to L.A. in 2024 and just never left. (laughs) I was just like, this is a very like this. It it should have been two episodes and it was the entire season. And I was like, you know, for a science fiction show, there's not a lot of science fiction happening right now. (laughs) So many shows just got screwed by COVID protocols. and I think that's one of them. Yeah, I think so, too. But I will say it gave us delightful Brent Spiner as another Soong, um, adding to the Soong family tree, uh, which is fantastic. I really enjoy the little mini family crew cast that they they built in season one and, you know, kind of continue to explore in in season two. But ultimately, it was just, yeah, whatever, if it was COVID or whatever the the constrictions they had uh, around them to ground them in 2024... You know, it just it it went on for a very long time, and I just kind it of didn't need to, to be the whole season yeah. in the past. I, I like yeah. I like the time travel aspect of it. I liked I, yeah. and I enjoyed watching this the show. I was talking to our buddy Mike Romo, who's a huge Star Trek fan, and I was like, I'm not, I can't be objective. Yeah. I love yes. Star Trek so much, and I love that original continuity. Like we got an argument about Star Trek continuity <laughs> because I don't care what they say, Discovery is not in the continuity. Yes, it is. But, but it's yeah. not. The, the one thing I like about Star Trek is that I, in 1966... I don't want to get in an argument, but... <laughs> in 1966, through Voyager and whatever, it was the same timeline with the same actors playing the same roles. Like, you could right. follow this history of this world for like 30 years. And then, yeah. you know, it ended for various reasons because people die and things. Do you count Enterprise? I never really watched Enterprise, honestly. I don't know. I've taken a new approach with this because I love Star Trek in a different. I was just talking about this recently. With somebody where like Star Wars was is was is slash religion. Mm-hmm. Star Trek is like true entertainment for me. Like like I can love Star Trek unconditionally and not get caught up in all of that. And part of it is is that like we are in you know we're it's what we're dealing with 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 Star Wars and it's what we're you know partially dealing with Marvel and all these other franchises and things like that is like, we're into the next generation. <laughs> yeah. We're into the next generation of, of, of whatever of the life of it. And honestly, like 
I love the fact that Paramount is like not double, not triple, quadrupling debt. Like yeah. I can't wait to start watching Strange New Worlds, right? Like we've never had more Star Trek than ever at, at any point oh, sure. in my like lifetime. Four series right now, five series. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not even watching Lower Decks, no. and I'm not even I'm not you know I'm not watching the animated stuff or whatever. But like, th- like I love this universe, and I love the ridiculousness of the Federation, and like the the ridiculousness of the solutions, and how like they're always like, well, clearly we can't do that because of some stupid contrived reason, right? right? And like who cares because I, I love it and the thing about Picard and to a certain degree what Discovery did like Discovery did something interesting in that it, Connor it fed and I know you didn't watch it as long as I did like you bailed I at some point off, yeah. but it did feed into the tapestry of the story and then what they then did was shotgun them 900 years in the future and said great we're going to exist here outside of all that and just continue on in a far future story and it's just as good it's and it, and it, and as long as it as long as it holds on to the values of star trek which are exploration problem solving ridiculous science you know like then it's if those if those boxes get checked for me and it's it's and it's good star trek it's good and like we're in a great star trek time right now yeah i want to i just want to make it clear that i don't not enjoy the other things i like i like yeah. the kelvin timeline and and i like i like some of discovery but they're just not. I mean, like the reason why I love Picard is because it feels like going back into that world again. Yeah, it's like it's like an old shoe. Discovery that's is just not the same thing. It's a different Star Trek, but it's not the same yeah. world Star Trek. It's not Leonard Nimoy playing Spock. That's what I liked about it was it was the same people for thirty years playing the role, so you could really live it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that, but I will tell you that like post the the shotgun into the future two seasons so far, it feels like Star Trek. It checks the boxes oh, sure. for me. Yeah. No. For so, sure. I'm, yeah. So. I'm gonna. I keep trying. I keep trying. I keep hitting the wall with Discovery. Maybe I'll just jump to the other one and forget about Discovery. Yeah. But. All right. But but we talked too long about Star Trek. But I, I will say I did literally just start last night the offer on Paramount Plus, which was equal parts awful and like signed me up for more. I, Matthew Good playing playing Robert Evans. I'm like great. I kind of want to watch it just because it you got to so watch bad. it. Yeah, Josh too. I would even encourage you if there's a trial for Paramount Plus or something just to see because it, it, there, there's aspects of it where I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. But then there are aspects of it and I will say Matthew Good as Robert Evans, he's doing a very good Robert Evans. Like, Is it is it like an impersonation or is it? No, no, he's being Robert Evans. Like it's not, it's not an impression. You know what I mean? But he's, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but he's acting. I All mean right. like, you know, yeah. But I will say what's interesting about it from us as, as Robert Evans aficionados is that there is an angle to it and it's briefly like I watched the first episode which was in like an hour plus and Evans is in it a bit but not too much but there's like a couple of scenes of Evans and Charlie Bloodhorn or whatever Blood you know Horn. the Gulf and Western Bloodhorn and the other guy Barry what's his name I forget the other guy you know that that pa- Connor after reading the Chinatown book reading so much about the oh, power yeah. struggle between between them for Paramount yeah. and I'm like shit I want to see a show about that <laughs> it's worth it just for that to see actual like Evans interacting with Bloodhorn and you know well, like they'll yeah, get it to it eventually yeah. They have to get to every story eventually. Yeah, they that's true. Gotta so, anyway, fill the firehouse. I will probably by our next media explode. I'll be able to uh, speak to to the offer in detail. Does it come out like weekly? Like, I, let me know when it's all there because yeah. I do want to watch it. I, I didn't know it existed until recently. I think there are five episodes out so far. I, don't I think know they drop three on launch and then it's weekly after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's tends so. to be what they do with some of those shows. I mean, what does a month of Paramount Plus cost? Five bucks. That's, yeah, I mean, that's it. Can't be that. I much can do yet. that. Yeah, I think you could. I'll even get it for you if you want it. I don't need you to do that, but thank you. Okay, I just, I just love you. Okay. One patron. <laughs> just one patron. Come on, we'll make a new. We'll make a. We'll make a Josh goal. Josh Paramount Plus. For a month. <laughs> 
So I'm going to steal one of Ron's bits, which he stole from TV Guide, and do a cheers and a jeers for this past month. Oh, love it. Love uh, it. I'll start with the jeers. One of my all-time favorite shows, definitely in my top 10, is Law & Order, The Mothership, the original. If you add up all the hours I've watched Law & Order, it's way more than any other TV show. Like, I watched six hours of Law & Order last Tuesday. They do a marathon on WeTV. So, like, I know Law & Order really, really well. They brought The Mothership back to NBC. Sam Waterston has returned as Jack McCoy. It's off. Something is off. It's not working. <laughs> it's wrong. Because <laughs> Sam Waterston is, like, 90. He's not the problem. He's in, like, five minutes of every episode. It's like someone who's never seen Law & Order was told about Law & Order, and they made a TV show. It's, like, just off. How is that possible? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Like, there's central tenets to Law and Order. Like, one of the great things about the show was you started with this little, like, cold open vignette about two random New Yorkers who would stumble on a body. You know, you got these little one-act plays. Two angry garbage (laughs) men talking about the Knicks or a couple breaking up or something, right? You got this little, fun little New York moment. It's a a formula. And they start on a (laughs) stumble on a body. And then the cops show up, and you and the cops have the same amount of information, right? You're there with the cops. You don't know what happened. At least half the episodes, we see the murder happen. That's right. not supposed, that's not supposed the to killer, happen. Just... We see, like, right before the murder. We're like, no, I don't... No. Don't do that. No. I'm supposed to know as much as the cops know. I'm not supposed to know... No. And then the chemistry is all off in the cast. They cast a bunch of recognizable actors in the roles, which sort of takes you out of it. In the first episode, the camera was moving around the courtroom, like, whipping around. And I was like, no, whoa, 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 slow down. Like, lock the camera down. This is law and order. Wow. It's just a little off on everything. It's not really working. I'm watching every episode and hoping they come around on it. I just, it's just not working right now. They haven't figured it out. It also looks wrong. It looks too clean. How many seasons? They stopped around 20 huh. of the original. SVU has never stopped. It's like a second season, like 35 or some stupid oh. crazy, crazy Anatomy-esque thing. It's not like somebody was like, we got to freshen this up. Like, no, the whole thing is that you don't. You don't come in with a bold no. new Price is Right. No. You don't replace the, the you know, the, the yodely guy. And the thing is, like, it's just a little off, mm-hmm. right? It's not like it's a disaster. It's like something is not right here. It's like if Josh Teagan was showed up instead of you. It's like, it's a little off. Something's wrong. That would be a lot off. <laughs> it's recognizable, but it seems not right. It sounds right, but it's not right. <laughs> so that's been disappointing. And Watterson's been great. You know, he shows up just to... To yell at the ADA and then make a wry comment at the end. That's what he does. He's shaky. He was in. He was in the off. Not the offer. The um. Years old. He was in the the dropout. Yeah. And it was like I was like, oh, he's old, but he's supposed to be playing an old person, but yeah. still, he's still old. He's eight years old. Jeez. Oh, but this past weekend, this is my cheers. After maybe a decade of hearing about this, mostly like in the early days of Twitter from like people in Europe, we watched all nine plus hours of Eurovision. On Peacock. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and it was fucking awesome. I get it now. I understand why everyone's obsessed in Europe. It's great. <laughs> You're like Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge. Yes, I understand. I understand. You can, you can take a blanket and say, here, it's Eurovision. It'll warm you like a blanket. Let me play this role, yeah. which is a true role. What is that? Eurovision is a... And everyone in Europe now is like, oh my God, kill me. It's the national American Idol. Okay. Okay. It's a competition among European countries. It's been happening since 1956. It's a singing competition. Each country sends one act, and they all sing, and then they get get voted to the second round. 40 countries start, and then it gets down to 20. ABBA won. Celine Dion sang in it. Olivia Newton-John. So it's like like the dream team. Like they send the big... 
It's not just some guy. I don't know enough. I don't think so because it's not like big superstars go. ABBA seems like a pretty big deal. They weren't at the time. Oh, it's been on that long? It's 1956. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. It's like a huge deal. It's it's the second most watched thing in the world after the World Cup. Like it's right. everyone in Europe goes crazy for it. Europe and somehow also Australia, Israel, and Iceland. But we'll put that aside. So, real quick, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Unrelated. World Cup's going to be like in December, right? I think because it's in Qatar and because yeah, of the the this, it says yeah it's going to be in the winter. It's, it's going to throw me off. That seems yeah, weird. Right. Sorry. Yeah, right? It doesn't, yeah, this was yeah. great. There was some crazy, like, goofy acts. There was some, a lot of people very serious taking it seriously. But, like, the production of it was incredible. The final vote tally took, like, an hour and a half, and it was riveting. They go to each country. Each country has a jury that votes and then a popular vote, like the viewers vote. You're not allowed to vote for your own country. No, they're not viewers. And so they, <laughs> they reveal the votes in two rounds, first the juries and then the country votes. And it was just, like, it was nail-biting. It was amazing. I was sad the next day when there was no more to watch. It happened over three days last week. We watched them uh, late, but next year we're going to watch them live. It was terrific. I had a great time. As there's some of those songs that are still stuck in my head. All right. I just, it was, it was just it. fun to see the love everyone has had for it. It was like everyone was really having a good time. Everybody wants to win, but it's all tied up in geopolitics, and uh, Ukraine won. Oh. That's a big fuck you to Russia. Did Russia have good acts? And, like, you Russia like did not perform. Snubbed? Oh, okay. Are they are they kicked out because of the doping or they did try to hack the vote though? Of course they did. Sure. Anyway, it was a great time. There's a lot of hits on YouTube. It's on Peacock if you have Peacock. I mean, it's good on call Peacock. on Peacock by the way to run that. I mean, that's yeah. pretty smart. Yeah. yeah, they ran it last year apparently. I didn't know about that, but this year they had it again, and they had a American host Johnny Weir contextualizing it, and then there was like the three regular hosts on site. But production wise, it was really stellar. It was really. really Here's fun. a question: Did you pay for Peacock or did you watch it with the Peacock. ads? Yeah. Oh, you have Peacock. Yeah. Okay, here's another question. Why do you have Peacock? It's a good question. There was some show I wanted to watch that was only on it. I think I might have the free ad one or whatever, the cheap ad one. There's a free ad-supported version. Yeah, yeah but they don't have it. everything. So we got it for a month well, maybe because I have we, wanted, lowest level. we wanted to watch Dr. Death. When we finished that, and then that was it. There's something okay. I wanted to watch that was on it. I probably, I probably have like the cheapest one you can have. I think I got it for free because like there's a promotion for Android users or something like that, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if I ever unsigned up for it. It might have been Psych, the Psych movies. No. I don't know. Anyway, no. that's what I liked. I, uh, if you were to ask me, Josh, what is it that you've been watching? I've been watching like four hours of basketball a night. Five hours, probably. Not every single game, but way more of the NBA playoffs. Like, a shockingly high amount. And what's even more shocking is that my wife is watching it with me. Yeah. like We're, wa- we're oh, cool. actively watching sports together. and nice. And like... It's Who been, won that pool? Nobody. <laughs> you know, but it's been so good. Like, none of the seeds seem to matter. Like, nobody got blown out. Everything unexpected is happening. The people who you're like, oh, they're going to cruise, they don't. You know, the, the, the I, was, I was always like, spoiler, but I don't think it works that way. Like, the Suns were the best team in the league by far, and they got knocked out by the Mavericks. And we watched every single Celtics game, not because I'm a huge Celtics fan, but just because it was fascinating, you know, like they went against the Nets and that was supposed to be going to be, a, you know, a really tight contest because the Nets were supposed to, and they just got destroyed. And then they come to the Bucks and it comes down to a bunch of nail biter games. And then game seven where the Celtics finally win, you know, just dominated the team who had won the championship last year. And it's just been 
incredibly like there's nothing else I want to watch on a given night. In fact, I'm kind of glad that we're down to four teams now because it's getting pretty tiring. What with the East Coast and then the West Coast feed, but like on Saturday afternoons, we told the kids like, "Here's headphones, do what you want." You know, and we we're we we're watching games in the middle of the afternoon. I've got a nice text chain going on with with our pal Hank and, and yeah. Connor. I was going to say, Ron, I started. I made the mistake of starting a text chain with me, Josh, and Hank. And oh, why would you do that? Because I I wanted to oh, dear, I wanted to make basketball friends because they both talk to me about basketball and I'm like you guys should talk to each other and yep. I'm on it and I I know when the game's on because suddenly my phone vibrates off the table because Hank <laughs> and Josh spend the entire game texting each other about the game. <laughs> like I, let me ask you this: like I don't sound like a person who just started watching it again, do I? No, no, not at all. You're fine. It's yeah. just that I'll literally pick up the phone and it says you have 25 new text messages. I'm like, yeah. oh, the fucking game must be on. Oh, it was like what, what night did we do? But they've been, been a, they're, they're great basketball friends now. They talk about basketball. All the time. That's good. It's true. It's true. We do that. it all the time. Bring people together. Yeah, like we had a couple of shows. Uh, like during, like we did a show the other like, the other night during one of the big games, and Hank's <laughs> just like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Who's scheduling this?" And then I wasn't looking at my phone because I was doing this thing, and I, I get back and I look and there's 25 things, and right. I was like, "What's going on here?" And, Oh, okay. Seems like something's going on. And then you, I turned it on, and the Suns were down some forty 50 points. points, something stupid. Yeah. Like it was. How is this happening? Points, yeah. It's been like this all. Like nothing has happened the way that it's supposed to, and it's just been super fun to sort of get because I know basketball, but I spent like the last year like learning who everybody was again because I missed. Let's just say like Kobe, to. LeBron. John Morant. You know, no, and, well, I missed all LeBron, too. He's, he's in there, too. Early LeBron. You missed three quarters. Yeah, basically, I got out at the end of the 90s because I was in college and I just didn't pay attention to it anymore or at, right after. What's funny is that, like, I, okay, so I don't like basketball, like, at all. Right. I don't watch it. I don't. I mean, it's fine. I, I don't hate it. It's not the kind of thing where, where it's, not, it's not like it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me angry like, like football on Sundays and social media does. But I will say that there was a, there was a shimmering, glimmering moment in time when I spent a lot of time in Indiana <laughs> and it was towards the end of the nineties oh. when I guess the pace, the Pacers yes, were good. They were very good. Yeah. And I found myself in Indiana in a two-year time span where it seemed like every time I was there, it was the playoffs. And I had to go along with whatever pacer party that people were going to. And, and the playoff basketball can be compelling. I can, I can, I can understand oh, yeah, that. Right. I can see, see, the, see the excitement and all that sort of stuff. But that's the closest I've gotten to what you're describing. Almost yeah. any professional playoff situation is exciting even if you don't really know what's going on because the stakes are so high when it's good too i mean because there could be not good playoffs as we kind of we know sure but the, just the stakes are so high and you just get caught up yeah. in it no matter if you that's the yeah. thing about the nba playoffs this year is that just everything has been a crapshoot you can't predict i don't know i don't bet but apparently betting is a huge thing now that it wasn't the last time I, or at least it wasn't out in front. Now I'm like, they're sponsoring the games. Betting, betting's okay? enormous. Now. I know, it's I know. Really, like this, I feel like it's the it's the downfall of civilization. I know. It really it feels very. I don't know if I'm just right. being an old fuddy duddy, but I'm just like, this doesn't seem right. Is this okay? Like, yeah, totally. I've got that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, whoever sets that, I'm sure people are going crazy because like things are not happening the way they're supposed to. So yeah. either somebody's making a lot of money or losing money. I don't really know. You know, but this is all like we started talking about this. This all started for me when The Last Dance came out when we, we were doing the media spot oh, yeah. yeah that was sort of the first thing and then I was listening to the Adam McKay podcast Death at the Wing and then I started playing a basketball video game and you know then I, I started watching the playoffs last year and then since then like I'm in I've been to three games I have the subscription to the season pass it's the whole deal how many jerseys do you own the fit 
<laughs> yes, that fit. <laughs> I bought a Bill Russell one to go to the Celtics game, but it did not fit when it got here. I think five. I don't you really wear five them. jerseys in the last. Year. When you say it didn't fit, was it too big or too small? What do you think, Ron? I don't know. I get <laughs> <laughs> too big isn't a problem. <laughs> not necessarily. I find myself thinking about sometimes how much fun I had watching The Last Dance. It was a good memory of sports documentarianism. You know, and I, I watched all that. So, like, that was sort of reliving. The, but, I, like, there's a ton of 30 for 30s that do that same thing. It's a great one on the Pistons in the 90s, the bad boys. There's a great, I think it's either three or five parts, Lakers, Celtics Lakers, one. Celtics, yep. Yeah, but there's something about being Jordan, you know. You know, The Last Dance didn't have the effect on me. Like, player-wise, absolutely 100%. But, like, coming out of watching that, I've kind of, like, lost something for him that I used to have. I made Lindsay watch, actually, it's called Winning Time. It's a Reggie Miller one, though, about Reggie Miller in the 90s, you know, because I was like, you're going to like this. It's really good. And she did. She she did. She was like, I really like Reggie Miller. And I was like, you know, right? Because his sister would beat him. And it was great. So this is actually a really good segue. And anyone who is hanging on by a fingernail now, like, why am I listening to the show? I don't like sports. Oh. We're going to talk about Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, season one, which is on HBO this past few months. Ron does not like basketball, as he just said. No. He loved the show as much as we did. So there's something compelling here. I would like everyone to know that I've sent all my opinions about the show to Connor in advance, and yes, he'll I've be reading them. my thoughts. Yeah, He's I'm vetted reading them. reading your thoughts. I've got a stack of blue cards. I will say that you guys started talking. I knew Winning Time was coming out. I knew about it because I read all the drama between Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, and the casting of John C. Riley and stuff like that. So from a media kind of standpoint, I was curious about it, but it loved me some John C. Riley, And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch that at some point, but I didn't rush to, where you guys were like on the edge of your seat every Sunday night. And I caught up and thoroughly, thoroughly agreed with you in that it was a fantastic way to spend, what, 10 hours or however many hours that, I, I that it was. I think it's like, my favorite show yeah. on TV while it's on. Yeah. Like, it's the 100%. one I'm most excited about on Sunday nights. I'm like, oh, winning time time. Yeah. It's the only thing that we watch, like, immediately. We watch it yeah. as soon as it's available, you know, every Sunday night. For those who don't know, Winning Time is a 10-episode first season about the L.A. Lakers and the NBA starting in 1980 when Magic Johnson is drafted out of college. At the same time as Jerry Buss buying the franchise. Correct. Right. Dr. Jerry Buss. Dr. Jerry Buss, Ron. Doctor. Come on. Sorry. Yes. Anyone who knows, they're about to create a dynasty of champions uh, in L.A. So it's about the tension, the drama from various angles, but it's the start of something great. Sort of redefining the NBA itself. It's great. It's like HBO's latest great show. Big surprise, another great show from HBO. I was continually impressed by... The actors, most of whom are unknowns, but guys playing players. Mm-hmm. There's big names in this, and they're, and they're terrific. John C. Riley deserves every award that you can give him for making oh my God, Dr. Jerry Buss into someone super likable, even though he's kind of awful. And also, <laughs> like the very, and I've, I've said this a lot, but like there were several times when I, I was watching it, and it would, I would go, hey, that's John C. Riley. And I was like, I completely yeah. forgot. And it's not like he's not a person. He's got the voice. He's, he's, always, he's a great actor. We haven't been able to see him act really take on a different character in a long time because he went with his his comedy thing and his comedy thing for a while he was he was doing you know characters to really sort of take on a dramatic character even though it's funny you know but i i was like all right this guy's a great great actor yeah it's funny ron because you said you heard of it through the casting drama but i heard about it in the opposite way getting the press releases from hbo every actor being cast it was like an unending yeah, list. It was John C. Riley and Jason Clark and Gabby Hoffman and yeah, Adrian cast. Brody and Sally Field and Jason Siegel. It was just like, what the hell's going on with this show? That's how I first got on yeah. the radar with it. 
And I will say that what drew me in, honestly, wasn't, you know, yes, the, the casting and, and all that sort of stuff, but hearing you guys talk about it, and then you guys specifically mentioned the production as- yeah. aspect of it, which is what I what was I was curious about and then tuned into it. And just the show consistently breaks the fourth wall, mixed media between current day film and grainy video from the late set or which grainy fi- really, film. Or, really yeah. worked. At any given point when you're watching the show, it pops from 69 back into 43. Yeah. You see the dirty frame. Like, like it was a really, really creative execution of the episodes that wasn't just a gimmick in the first episode. It continued the, through the life of the season, which just from a craft standpoint, I was blown away by. Yeah. Really good looking show. There was so yeah. much juggling going on between all of these storylines a greater storyline, and then a subtext to a lot of things, which they kind of had to drop to a certain extent. You know, in the beginning, there were comments, and I think this was Adam McKay, because this was a lot of what Death at the Wing was about, you know, with, with the coded language for, you know, like, Larry Bird is a more more of a player. A, stu- you know? a student of the game. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. white. Yeah. And the other one's a natural athlete, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there was that kind of stuff. It sort of tapered back a little bit, but there was, he was sort of trying to get, they were trying to give, I, I keep saying he, like Adam McKay did it, and he didn't, he wasn't the showrunner, but it's his baby. He created the show. Yeah. Well, there was a lot, especially when they're courting magic, you know, it was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. yes. dinners you would have with the executives yeah. where it was like, like these older rich white guys trying to court this 19 year old black athlete. And there was one point where he's like, even Jerry Buss, like, look at this smile. I own this smile. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. no. So like, there was a lot, you know. You're you're dealing with that, and there's so many aspects of the show that are interesting. It, some might say they bit off too much because there were so many things to just explore here. But one of the things I thought was interesting in the conversation I've had with you, Josh, and we, we have on the text chain with Hank is that this was a very different era in the world. Like these guys playing in the NBA were not all millionaire stars. No. Yeah, yeah. This was the transition towards that because basketball was in rough shape at this point people were not watching it ratings were dropping yeah and so like you had guys who there was one episode where it was spencer haywood when he sort of collapses and talking about his upbringing and just like his childhood in like a sharecropper picking cotton there's guys coming out of poverty now but they're not picking cotton in a sharecropper situation and they also weren't, I mean, they're doing well for themselves, but sure. you know, those players weren't developing generational wealth, as I've heard it said. You know, like if you yeah. are Dwayne Wade or you are, you know, Michael Jordan or, you know, this really sort of came about in the 80s, like you would make enough money to have your family set for generations. And this show is about the stepping stone to that time period. Right. Kareem was wealthy, but he wasn't. Friggin' rich. They even touched on that, and because by this point Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is is you know aging, and he's been you know he's been playing, and at the beginning of the season he's mentally checked out, and he's. Uh, you know, and at one point he says to his girlfriend, he, where he says, you know, he says, I guess the, whatever's going on economically at the time, he says, oh, my guy says I need to, I need to play a couple more seasons before we can get out. Like e- e- even at that point, he's you know trying to strategically earn enough money to be able to retire, right, and do what and live how he wants to, and and realizing that you know he's not there yet, so he needs to keep playing, right, because while he's you know still you know professional basketball player, wasn't you know you know immensely wealthy yeah 79 you've got the recession the gas crisis yeah. coming out of that so it wasn't great there's a lot of interesting racial things going on there's a lot of interesting things about mm. business i like the whole aspect of jerry Buss basically bluffing his way into owning this team and really needing it to succeed or he was fucked 
I will criticize the show a little in that the Jerry Bus buying the team and the business story had me interested, right? Probably the most, right? And then probably mid-season or towards the end of the season, it really wavered and it went more about Jerry Buss and his mother and like the family dynamic and stuff like that. And it got, admittedly, it got away from the business aspect of the story. And that's when it did start to kind of almost lose me. You know, of course, it's it's parallel with the basketball drama and the all the stuff with the coach and, the, and Pat Riley and like getting into the playoffs and stuff like that. But there was a bit of a slog like around episode seven or eight where I was like, oh, can we get back to the stuff that I was really enjoying? at the beginning of the season, you know, but name me one show that is perfect throughout every episode, right? There's always that, there's always a bit of a dip that happens, it seems like in these shows. There's a few things that I think that we should go over. Yep. I think it makes sense to go through some of the casting. Ron, you started to mention something, and there are so many highlights in this that, like, as the season kept going on, were fascinating. The the other bit I think that we just want to touch on, but not really, is that, you know, this is a retelling of a thing that is past. It was a dramatization. So, like, there's a lot of, like, is this true or not, or what didn't happen? (laughs) And I will say, like, at a certain point, like, I didn't care. In fact, I have a very hard time criticizing it because I was just in for the ride from episode one. You know, like, you know, our other friend was like, well, it kind of felt. I was like, I didn't even notice. Do didn't you, even notice. Do you guys remember, I don't know, however many years ago when The Walking Dead ended on a cliffhanger and everyone lost their fucking minds? No. Remember that when, when Negan killed somebody, but we didn't know who it was? Oh, I, I bailed by that point. Everyone lost their shit because it was a cliffhanger. And I was like, this is how TV works. Right. <laughs> Other than the people like Kareem and Jerry West who are portrayed, I understand why they would be upset. But everyone else who was like discovering for the first time that dramatizations aren't exactly 100% accurate. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, People who are shocked that this isn't a documentary. What the, right? like, where, what the fuck? Like, where have you been? This is how every fucking dramatization of every true crime thing you're watching on TV is not exactly yeah. accurate. I will say that the hoo ha in the press that the real Jerry West made over his depiction on the show by the last episode, he was by far my favorite. He's a great character. The guy playing him, yeah, Jason Clark, it was, you know, like you really got the borderline maniacal wrestling with, you know, mental health and depression and focus on winning and stuff like that. And it did become like over the top comical. But then like it came back and like of all the people I think that watch the show, I understood him the most. You know, and like to see that journey, see the journey of like going from player to coach and then ineffectual, ineffectual, ineffectual and seeing an opportunity to be effectual. Like, like, honestly, like, you know, it's funny because all the Jerry West happened midseason. I wonder how he felt at the end of it. I mean, he probably still is pissed. (laughs) He is, but he's the one that like all evidence and also everything I'd ever heard about him before this is that like not far off. Like, it really sounds like he doesn't have much of a bone to pick with them in a way. Yeah. But it also doesn't matter. If they beat the iFanboy show, I'm sure I'd be pissed. But <laughs> it's like, if it's not you, this is how dramatizations go. The last episode, the finals of him just w- walking laps in the tunnels of the Spectrum in Philadelphia because he can't watch the game. Like, I, you know, I mean, Connor, I mean, you, you, I mean, I can we can all it. relate to that. I, I yeah. literally st- I stayed in my garage listening to the Mets no hitter this season because right. I, I couldn't leave from where I started w- w- listening to it. Right. Because I didn't right. want to jinx it. Right. We sports and winning and all that sort of stuff makes you do crazy stuff. I can't even imagine it at that level. Yeah. And especially with the pathos of that guy of like, which they explained really well in the first episode of just of how he 
didn't win, didn't win, and like was on the verge of it, and finally didn't. Even when he did, it didn't feel right because of all the other times that he lost before. And like, and there is something about the alchemy of a moment and the people and the mix of things that happen, especially when it comes in sports. And I and watching this did give me a better understanding of what you know I knew of the Lakers of the '80s of you know Magic and Pat Riley and all that sort of stuff. I didn't know about any of this, and now it all kind of made sense. And like you know, enjoying those stories of like you know obviously you know we talk a lot about baseball and like you know whether it's 86 Mets or 78 Yankees or 75 Reds or whatever whatever those team moments of all those pieces like that is inherent interesting drama of how it all comes together and who cares if you know Spencer Haywood didn't really put out a hit on the entire team you know like it's it's it's, it's good television right so. it didn't go anywhere so like it's, yeah yeah if they had had him murder Magic Johnson then maybe you have got a case that they've gone too far I thought that guy was great. I, I mean, honestly, like I'm, I'm hard pressed to, with the exception of some of the bench players, I'm hard pressed to say anybody that wasn't like an amazing addition to the cast on this show. Well, like, I mean, that was, was the thing. So we're talking about Jerry West, and I spent, I want to say, the first four or five episodes going, how did they find Jason Clark, who is a known quantity, who has headlined movies? Yeah. You know, how did they find a guy who is a celebrity who can act like this? Who looks just like Jerry West? Looks just like him. Looks just like so, scarily, scary. And, and like I, went, I was looking up pictures. Like, does he have prosthetics on his face? Does, no. I don't think he did. No, he didn't. He just looked like the guy. It was just the haircut. It was the haircut and the face. <laughs> yeah, he had the face though. Adrian Brody the same way. I was like, at first I was oh. like, when they announced the casting, I was like, really? And then when when he comes on on a googled Pat Riley Laker, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, Adrian Brody like was Pat great. Pat Riley when Pat Riley was a Laker. Can I ask you a question? In the shots with Adrian Brody when he shaved his mustache and he was he was slicking back his hair for the first time, and it flashed forward to the future. Was that actually Pat Riley in those no. shots? No, no, that was his dad. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. he also had dad issues. You know, Quincy Isaiah's playing magic is terrific and like oozes charm. But I found myself really, really impressed by Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem, who was a yeah, he yeah. was a, a Harlem Globetrotter. So what's interesting about that, I didn't know that, is that he's the one who, to me, looked the least like the guy he was playing, at least, because Kareem doesn't look like any other human I've ever seen in my life. I'm very familiar with what he looks like. Now, that isn't to say it took me out of it. Like, when I watched Magic, the character, actor playing Magic, I was like, I guess I'm looking at Magic. Like, I I was convinced I was just looking at Magic Johnson. With Kareem, I think he got into, you know, like, I believed him, but I never thought he looked like Kareem. It didn't matter ultimately, but I don't know how you'd find somebody who does, you know. And you could tell right. them they were doing the Lord of the Rings tricks and shit, you know, having, making sure he was higher and taller than everybody else. But it was just interesting. I think that they did the best they could with it. They found somebody, like finding somebody who looks just like him is just too hard. And they instead they found somebody who was perfect for the role. And that's the thing is that you can either you can either get someone who, and this goes back to what we were talking about with the offer with Evans or with, with whatever. You can get someone who can do an impression or look just like the person mm-hmm. or you get someone to be the essence of that person, right? Right. You know, in, in the case of the Jerry West guy, he looked just like him and was the essence yeah. of him. But but the Kareem guy, like, I, I agree with you. I'm like, oh, he doesn't really look like him when he's tall and that sort of thing. But by the end of the season, it was like, I believed he was him. You know, yeah. like, it it, it definitely, it, it delivered. And he was one of the most interesting arcs in the whole thing, where he said, starting from yeah. being completely checked out to begrudgingly accepting this kid who's full of enthusiasm. He's like a energizer bunny, you know, and he eventually breaks down Kareem's walls and makes him love basketball again, only to get hurt in the playoff. Like, it was a great arc for him. Yeah. Really fascinating. I mean, I didn't know much about this era. This is, you know, we're, we're oh, yeah? three, years old, three years old, and I watched basketball in the 90s, but I, you know, by that time, 
Showtime era was over, you know. Right. So I'm not super up on. I haven't watched the documentary, the the Lakers Celtics one, so I'm not super on, up on what happens. I didn't even know. I thought I thought they played the Celtics in the finals. I just I was surprised when they. Did you knew they were going to win that year? I knew they were going to win. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was, it was the Celtics. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. It's funny because it totally feels like bullshit. But like, if you watch, you know, this all I've seen, I've seen all of these stories at least three or four times in documentaries. So, but it's interesting because right now there's a. If you go to Apple TV Plus, there's a Magic Johnson, multi-part yeah. Magic Johnson documentary. There is about a te- a ten year old Kareem documentary on HBO. On HBO, there's also a Magic and Bird documentary, and like I said, there's that Thirty for Thirty, which is the multi-part Lakers and Celtics documentary. You know, and there's more. And there's something coming up on Hulu because I said Genie Bus posted like, mm. yeah, this is fine, but watch the thing coming up on Hulu. That's more real, and you know, so it's like. I mean, I think that for people our age, so we would have been coming about in the '80s, just sort of coming into knowledge, you know, around the time that Jordan was starting to peak. Jordan kind of erased some of this. Yeah, yeah. We tend to think Jordan brought back the NBA, which he did in in a larger sort of global sense, but you know, Magic and Bird were the guys who really moved it out of the dumps you know like it was yeah. a lot of people thought it was too black i don't like using the term but that's what they would have said you know there was too much dunking they didn't like watching and you know this is when a lot of that started to change and you started to see because at the time they didn't want to put it on tv which is crazy yeah. it was i mean knowing nothing about the sport not knowing you know and like i thought that they explained it really well we're, we're not touching on the whole coach aspect that you know like the lakers hired this coach who brought in this kind of like more like street ball kind of high play. tempo yeah. yeah, and then and then thirteen games in the season gets injured Ugh. in a bicycle Ugh. accident, which is horrifying, depicted like horrifying state. And the the assistant coach Jason Siegel, all another great casting, has to step up, and it's and it's just like so much drama and that. But it, but I thought they did a really good job as someone who doesn't know basketball and mm-hmm. know how it's played, explaining why this was different and why it was a moment in time and how it worked, and and you get into it. And, and I guess for like, me, like know. I knew Pat Riley at Showtime. Short, yeah. Again, they couldn't call the show the Showtime because that's what it was. Because showtime. Of, because of Showtime. <laughs> but uh, I knew about Pat Riley and Showtime Lakers. I didn't know Jack McKinney existed. I didn't know Jack yeah. McKinney was the one who created it. Like, I'm learning things while I'm I watching the show. And I had well. to try not to look it up because I was like, this is one thing I don't know. So we'll yeah. see what happens. And I did not expect what happened to him. But I can happen. still hear the head hit the pavement. Oh, and I can still brutal. hear the, the, the screech as he goes for Like, oh, it's making my yeah. skin crawl. That was brutal. You know, what's fun about it is like what crazy thing is going to happen now? Because it was an era where things could still be like really crazy. Mm -hmm. And Jerry Buss could open a nightclub in the forum, you know, like that kind of thing. And the creation of the modern celebrity culture around sports where they, you know. Putting the seats on the floor and having having the the celebrities be there. Right. Yeah. Like that. There's so much that's coming out of this. That's really interesting. And I love creepy Larry Bird who keeps showing up as like a. like a So good. Villain in, in the background with his chew. They got his skin right. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. That's a fascinating dude. Originally, this was pitched as a miniseries. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep going. I'm so happy because I want to see now the Lakers-Celtics rivalry play out. I want to see how that... Yeah, but th- that's the thing is that I heard that the next season's going to jump to Kobe and Shaq, which and I'm like, I have no interest in. You say that, that's but you would true. have said you had no interest in this. True, possibly. But like, I, I want to see the 80s stuff and I want to see Pat Riley and I want to see all this sort of stuff. I don't know. I just it, it, Who knows if that's true? I just heard I heard that they optioned the next guy, the other the, Well, the they, op- they, they, they optioned once yeah. it was a success and the joke was that it was going to be the HBO's crown. So who knows? But that's, I, yeah. I, I don't think we've heard what season two is going to be yet. No. I kept thinking, you know, like it came out just before the show came out that this show is the reason that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay broke off their, you know, yeah. decade long partnership and it's because 
Will Ferrell had wanted to play Jerry Buss, and he thought he was all wrong for it. By the way, Adam McKay was 100% right. But that's not why the falling out happened. Go on. The falling out happens because Adam McKay then went and cast John C. Riley, right. well, and John C. Riley told Will Ferrell like he should have like honestly McKay's in the wrong here. He should have yeah. called Will Ferrell and did like like I I I I'm on Will true. Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. But I so. thought I thought the doesn't matter. But either way, mm-hmm. when I first heard John C. Riley's doing it and not Will Ferrell, I thought, well, what the fuck's the difference there? And then I started watching it and I was like, oh, I, I see. Originally, yeah. it was going to be Michael Shannon. Yes, he was cast originally. Yeah. Yeah, huh. Not which good. is crazy. Yeah, yeah that, that doesn't. No, sound John C. Riley is perfect because he can be kind of lecherous and creepy and be utterly charming and funny, and you just love him yeah. no matter what. Yeah, you know? the shirt unbuttoned down to the navel. It's amazing. Constantly. Bring it, it back. Yeah, it doesn't. Nope. Oh, so Do not. We should all bring it back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's full of great actors. You mentioned Spencer Haywood. He played by Wood Harris, who was in The Wire. Like you've got all these really great actors. And then his brother played uh, Magic's agent. I can't remember his first name, but another Harris brother. They show up in things together. It's the one guy who played Richard Pryor who didn't really look anything like Richard Pryor, but then he spoke, and I was like, fair enough. Because <laughs> that, that really sounds like him. It does a lot of things here, from sports yes. to race relations to celebrity culture to the tenuous nature of the business to the mob. Like, There's all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. That made it interesting. You never knew what from one episode to the next what was going to happen. Who was going to be? The yeah, focus. it was completely unpredictable. Completely yeah. unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. Every Sunday, I was like, "Oh, awesome! It's time for hit winning time." Yep. Yeah. I'm so excited it's coming back. I'm so excited to have a show. I mean, there's lots of good things on right now, but this was number one in the call sheet. This was the best thing that I've seen, and the thing I was most excited about since Perry Mason. Yeah, mm-hmm. which it definitely like had forever. that same feeling of like something new and fresh, right? Yeah. And just no wasted moments on screen. And somebody was always doing something interesting, whether it's the actor or the script or the cameraman. Or, you know, even just one of those things is interesting, but usually more than one. And then it ends and you go, no. I remember I would it, when Winning Time was on, about halfway through, every time I would start to get annoyed because I was like, this is going to end. Yeah. I would be so mad. But also, that's great. That's what, you know, we, we have to wait for things. Good. And it's a reminder, again, that through all the streaming services and all the 700 TV shows... HBO has the best development team. They just do. They may not make 100 shows, but the 10 they make are terrific for the most part. They come up with really thoughtful, interesting takes on things. This is really well executed. It's executed on a level that is unlike anything else that I was watching. You know, like it, it, it was as much as the story and the acting, like, the, like it, it was event television for me at least in that because it was like, I don't know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to see. It looks different than everything else. It feels different than everything else. And yeah, it just, it was delightful. Definitely currently in the, in the top of the year so far. And I remember we talked to you about it very early on, maybe after the first week and we were like, you got to watch a show. And you're like, I don't like basketball. And we were like, yeah. it's not about the basketball. Like yep. it is, but it isn't. It's like the same way that Friday Night Lights isn't about the football, but it is. But well, it that isn't. show seems to be a lot about football. Or the other show that just came on HBO that I, I was like, ooh, and then I watched the one episode and had Josh Charles as a bad guy, and I was like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I got to catch up on that. Watch the pilot. <laughs> what is that? Our city is our downfall. The Do David Simon show. I've got them all banked up. I haven't. I, I want to be able to really focus on them. Yeah, I mean, Josh Charles was only in it for maybe five minutes, but like, I was just like, oh no, no, he was great. I was like, holy cow, I'm I buying Josh that. Charles. Yeah. So they still got it. They still have the best mm-hmm. stuff on TV. Hey, listen, it's not TV, Connor. It's, it's HBO. HBO. I would just say if you haven't watched this show and you're still listening somehow, <laughs> go watch it. Give seriously. it a shot. It's not about basketball. Yeah. It is, but it's it's about a lot more than basketball. Yeah, it's worth it just purely for John C. Riley and the guy playing. And Jerry in fact, West. some of the basketball oh scenes God. are probably the worst scenes on the show. Yeah, 
Just cause well, yeah, not, that's the hardest. Not athletes for the most part. There was more than I thought they would be. You know what though? Like it was a couple of little things. You know, if you're familiar with any of that, like I was like, he's dribbling like magic. Right. Magic doesn't look like anybody else when he dribbles up the court. He's got the weird. He holds it up high and he sort of sidles along sideways and like they did it. Like I was like, wow, that's acting. Is with his with his whole body. It is again like Friday Night Lights where. The basketball is in the background until it's important for the story to be in the foreground. Mm-hmm. It's in the background until they get to the playoffs, and then it becomes an important driver of the story. You know, I will say I did come out of this not like thinking going into this thinking Magic Johnson was like one of the good people, and I'm like, oh, Magic Johnson isn't a good person. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't take that that way at all. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a kid. He was a kid. Nineteen years old. And no, I know, but still, it was like it was like like it was you were cringing for it. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I wasn't. <laughs> well, no, but it's you've taken a kid who's never been anywhere and you put him into yeah. Los Angeles in the late seventies. Yeah, just sex and With cocaine, money everywhere. and no supervision. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. It's, and it's... and you know, I mean, he wasn't married to anybody at that point. You know, there was it was just like kids dating shit. Really, yeah. It's just at a, at a greater scale because he's famous. But you know, in terms of, I don't know, he's the protagonist, and I, I didn't come. I mean, Magic Johnson is probably my favorite player of all time. You know, I'd said that before I started watching this show, but sort of after like looking back at all of the things that happened, you know, like he's just, and it's all in the show. Like he's the he's the one guy out there who is the best, but also having the most fun. You know, right. it, it, it's about winning and fighting for the win, but you know, not necessarily being a complete asshole. Although later there were things with Isaiah Thomas, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we wholeheartedly endorse Winning Time: The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty on HBO. Check it out if you haven't. Season two will be sometime in the future. Who knows when, when shows are. I know. Still waiting on Perry Mason season two. One day. Time. Get it right. One day it'll come. <laughs> so that's that. Let's mention that Josh and I do the Pick of the Week show every week on ifanboy.com. We talk about the week's comics. We also have the bi-monthly Talksplode and Booksplode shows also unlocked by the patrons. Ron's got all about Android. Anything exciting there, Ron? What's new? Oh, all uh, we just uh, just had Google I/O recently. We had lots of new hardware, new watches, new tablets, new phones. It's a, it's a great time to be an Android fan. So go go check that out. It's all about Android.com. Twit.tv slash AAA. Also, you can call a tow truck as well. Sure. <laughs> and we'll be back next month. Who knows with what? But we'll be back. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. Today I asked my Alexa what i had going on today and it said you have medi asplode <laughs> i was like what <laughs> you have medi asplode oh, oh oh okay i'll watch what i eat then. just way too smart question the enemy the brothers of a dark complexion the governments of the world is shark infested they have the own weaponry like shark and heston man look it gets low man So what, what you gon' do? It's my favorite music. Yeah, cause I'm right gone with you. Your logic does not get you. Come on. It's my favorite music.